Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast and here is your host John Chapman. All right 49ers fans welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush podcast. I'm your host John Chapman and today's going to be fun because we have another version of the question satchel. Again, thanks to Brett Roombeck for that. It's our version of a Q&A. We're going to be breaking it. We got way too many questions, unfortunately. I don't think I'm going to get to all of them. But I'm going to try to do my best and go through all that you need to be ready for the 49ers training camp. Which, man, if we look at dates, it's go time. Uh, everybody reports this Friday, July 26th. I'm recording this Wednesday morning. So uh, just two short days from now, they'll be reporting. Practice starts the very next day, Saturday on the 27th. And then once training camp gets started, it is full go. You know, they will have 11 practices or 11 days to practice before their preseason game. They get one day off in the midst of that. So about two and a half weeks straight. And then sure enough august 10th you know our first preseason game against the cowboys at levi's stadium is going to be 6 p.m it's going to be awesome so if you are in the san francisco area make sure you head over to 49ers.com because there are so many tickets available for the open practices every single practice is pretty much open and if you live in denver after the very first preseason game the 49ers going to travel to denver they're going to hold two joint practices with the broncos on august 16th and 17th and those are open as well if if you are somewhere close to there then we play denver um, on august 19th third game is against kansas city at kansas city and then we finish up here in california with the chargers on august 29th and then it's the huge cut down day right after that and then september 8th we have our regular season opener at tampa bay it is a 125 game our first regular season game so close it's only 46 days away got out the calendar and counted those bad boys we're in it so two more days and off season will be over thank god for the 49ers i am so tired of that so real quick we do have a piece of news from the 49ers we have waived kicker john brown he was waived as soon as the extension 
was brought on for Robbie Gold and the new contract there made him very expendable. And this now provides us with two open spots. Um, we signed Navarro Bowman, then we placed him on the reserve retired list. So we have two open roster spots now, and those are designated for Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel which they still haven't signed and you know i keep giving updates on here of how many undrafted um how many drafted players have unsigned it's now down to three nick bosa quinnan williams and debo samuel are the only players that were drafted that do not have a contract now debo samuel and nick bosa both are represented by the exact same agency caa um so that that is interesting of note there uh, they're kind of the last ones to sign almost everywhere but we need to get these deals done we'll see what happens if i had to project i think debo contract will drop first and i, I could see bosa missing one or two days which pisses me off i don't want that but uh, it is what it is. It's more important, however, for the 49ers. I talked about this last episode. It's much more important for Debo to be here early than it is for Bosa. Uh, Debo needs chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo in that first team offense. And, you know, Bosa defense is a little bit different especially whenever you're on defensive line the learning curve just isn't there um he's going to be able to step in day one and be just fine debo has to get chemistry and all those things done so that's the biggest one that i'm looking forward to so without further ado let's jump into the question satchel our first question comes from at delta boy underscore six six two he says how many turnovers will the 49ers force this season great question and probably one of the main concerns for our team as a whole you know defensively we were abysmal last year we only had seven total turnovers forced in 2018 only two of those were interceptions so five fumble recoveries two interceptions the worst in the nfl since the merger so you are going back 40 plus years we had statistically the worst season um whenever it comes to turnovers which is just awful you know, that's got to change drastically this year. If you just look at the personnel decisions through free agency, the draft, it, it was addressed. D Ford alone cost seven fumbles last year that were all recovered by his team. So D Ford caused the exact same amount of turnovers that our entire team had in 2018. Then you bring in Bosa and Quan Alexander. Both of those guys are high turnover guys as well. Quan Alexander, since he's been in the NFL, has averaged three turnovers a year despite missing a lot of times with injury he's still at that number um so it's going to be interesting and if we look at the league lead last year for forced turnovers were the bears with 36 we were dead last with seven so you can kind of put us somewhere in between there my goal um is to hit 20 turnovers you know i think that would be a very successful defensive calendar year if we could jump from seven to 20 i know that's a big jump but uh, I, I do think it's possible with the personnel that we have. But uh, make no mistake, a lot of this is on the secondary. And this gets into the whole chicken before the egg thing. Is it the pass rush that generates turnovers for the secondary? Or is it the secondary that has better coverage that allows the pass rush to get there? So we did not have one turnover or interception by any member um, of our secondary cornerbacks. So that is a huge problem, and they need to step that up. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman wasn't targeted very heavily uh, last year. They could just pick apart our number two and number three corner just because it was just such a big drop-off. But that's going to be a place where we're going to have to step up our game big time. Next question comes from Hindenburg49ers. 
if Shanahan has a doghouse, what are the three specific things that gets a player in there the fastest? And uh, I love this question because Shanahan, he's a player's coach. Uh, he's very, very positive. He does not like to speak negatively against his players. However, uh, his very first year coaching, I remember this play. <laughs> Carlos Hyde is the running back, and it's a fake play action, and he just basically runs straight up the field, just straight through the A-gap and just screaming. Perfect play action pass. They throw a floater, you know, 30 to 40 yards downfield, and Carlos Hyde can't track the ball very well and drops a touchdown pass, which would have been a, a key pivotal play in, in that game. Uh, we probably would have went on to win it. But here's the deal. Shanahan throws his hands up, turns around, and walks away. He is so upset. And, you know, I posted this play on Twitter several months ago, and somebody commented that was the second Carlos Hyde was no longer a Niner. He finished out the season and played very well, but this is the thing. If you do not fit what Kyle Shanahan wants on offense, he does not like you, and you will be gone. He gets rid of you. The second thing, and you could say is the same, anti-versatility. Uh, this is going to show up in a couple questions later on talking about the wide receivers. If you can only do one position, that is a huge red flag um, outside of the offensive line and really inside of the offensive line. You know, uh, tackles are tackles. But even last year, McClinchy in his very first game ever, he had to play right guard once, you know, injuries started happening. But interior guys, you need to be able to play center and guard and both guard spots. Wide receivers need to play slot and outside. Running backs need to be able to run the ball but catch the ball and line up at wide receiver. Look at our fullback. Who knows what he does. If you just are pigeonholed at one thing, he doesn't like you. I'm just telling you, he don't want you on his team. And number three would be durability. Um, Shanahan, as I said, does not call out players, but he does not mince words whenever it comes to people like Josh Garnett. Um, he put him on blast and said, I don't think he's had four consecutive days where he hasn't been injured last year. And that's really his concern. And this goes into our next question. And this is from Chad. Does Joshua Garnett have a chance to win a starting spot at right guard? I don't think that he does. Uh, his talent is there. He doesn't fit the zone blocking scheme as much as um, you know Mike Person in front of him. And perhaps even you know Magnuson as well as that. But his talent is above. I think that he can make the roster and back up both guard spots. That seems like the best case scenario for Joshua Garnett. I think that's his competition. I think Mike Persons locked in as the starter uh, because of his starting experience. And, and the thing is this. This offensive line, they played all year together. Uh, a couple injuries and deemed up players, whatever. But they didn't play well, but they played together. And I think that when you have that continuity across an offensive line, improvement is destined to take place. But as of right now, I think the depth chart would go, you know, definitely Lakin's number one, Persons number two. Those are our two starters. The number one backup would be Magnuson. He's probably backing up all three interior positions and then Josh uh, Garnett behind him. So that's kind of the pecking order. He's going to have to jump out in front front of Magnuson. And again, health is everything. Uh, this has played Joshua Garnett's entire career so far. He just can't stay healthy. So, all right, next question is from Jackson. Will Jalen Hurd get any snaps from the running back position? Yes, he will. 
uh, this year he will. I think it will take place after the bye week. Uh, I think your your goal is to get him comfortable at his primary position, which he's been dealing with some injuries and some knee issues. But uh, first, you got to get him healthy. Then you get him, and I want him in that slot role. That's where I want almost all of his snaps taking place in training camp. I want him to nail down that slot role. I think that's why they drafted him. But once he gets familiar with the playbook and is kind of finding his role, I could definitely see Jalen Hurd being used as running back in short yardage situations. He's probably the best short yardage running back we have on our entire roster. Um, so, uh, you know, if we look at the things like, one, is Brita active and healthy if he is he's going to be the short yardage guy number two is going to be tevin coleman people always bring up kyle use juice is not a short yardage back okay he had eight carries last year that's it i i think jalen hurd could be put in that situation if one of the other two running backs is injured or if it's a key play um again i do think that he is the best short yardage back we have on our team but i don't see him getting more than like 15 carries throughout the course of the year you want to put him back there you know you could send five wide receivers out there for your personnel group and then you you know shift and you can adjust into Kyle Juszczyk as a fullback you bring Jalen Hurd as a running back you got Kittle can shift down as a true tight end and so you go from basically an empty set to a 12 personnel set with a tight end and two backs that's kind of what Kyle Shanahan I could see him doing that before the defense can adjust so all right next question comes from RJ he said there was an agent that was MFing the 49ers front office for their terrible player contracts uh, will this lead to players not wanting to go there? I don't believe so. And yes, the 49ers contracts, they're terrible from a players and an agent perspective. But here's why players keep signing with the 49ers. The 49ers are going after players not at market value. They're betting on players that either are coming off an injury or perhaps a down year, and they are looking for a prove-it deal. So if you are a player that wants a lot of cash up front, which let's be honest, who wouldn't want that? The 49ers are your team. You look at that Jimmy Garoppolo contract that they got a lot of heat for. They front loaded the mess out of that with dead with cap space. That way they have options as the deal goes on if things don't work out for the team they can move on without a huge cap hit uh, same thing for Jarek mckinnon front load that deal get them a bunch of cash early and then you want these players that are gonna bet on themselves look at richard sherman uh, he bets on himself if he plays to what the 49ers are expecting he gets paid all that deal however if he doesn't he's going to be missing out so here's the thing i hope that these type of contracts are going to be kind of ruled out in the next collective bargaining agreement. I do think that it is unfair long-term to the player. But it, with athletes, you're betting on yourself, and I understand that. And so as a 49ers fan, this is to our advantage now. Um, and the agent is correct. The, the 49ers are kind of uh, poaching uh, these players that are, you know, trying to make something and they're taking advantage of that that's kind of the way that it works i do think that we need to move to more fully guaranteed contracts as the nfl if they want to have this kind of positive thing especially you know 
I've talked a lot about revenue on here in the collective bargaining agreement. The players are getting 47% of revenue to the NFL owners, 53%. Uh, there's no reason why the NFL with the highest injury risk of all major sports has the lowest guaranteed value. Uh, but that's just me. Take that for what you want. I still think the 49ers will be able to bring in um, big-time players with ease because they will give you cash up front and they will give you all the roster bonuses and things if you are willing to bet on yourself. Next question comes from Samson. How are the 49ers going to fix their touchdown deficiencies this year? This is a problem. Um, you know, I last year I was on with Evan Silva on the Fantasy Feast podcast and he called Jimmy G jimmy fg because that's kind of what he does is he settles for field goals and he's right uh you know evan was right about that that is a legitimate concern whenever it comes to kyle shanahan and it has been a concern throughout his entire career whether you go back to the browns the texans the falcons or you know with the 49ers his amount of yards produced is always going to be in the top half of the league top 10 of the league but cashing those in in the red zone that is the number one concern of kyle shanahan um, himself. If you want to be critical of who our head coach is, this should be your number one concern. Now, what are they doing to fix this problem? If we look at free agency um, and we look at the draft, these are the guys that are going after these huge touchdown kings, these guys that just take it the distance and can score. Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, Tevin Coleman. You look at the guys that we have added at the positional skill groups. He wants explosive players. They just need to capitalize. And again, what comes first? What what comes first? You know, uh, the chicken or the egg. It's the same concept. Is it having the players in place that can capitalize, or is it calling the right plays in different situations? I think it's both. Uh, and hopefully, Jimmy Garoppolo. This is where he's going to be able to show why he got paid. Because if you look at the very small sample size that Jimmy G did uh, with New England, and then the very first year, whenever after the trade, whenever he finished strong with us in those four games, he was capitalizing in these these situations. So we've seen it happen with Shanahan and, and Jimmy Garoppolo. It, given it was very very small, we just need to see it more consistent. And if that can happen, this is going to be a playoff team. I think the defense is where it should be to a point where we can capitalize off of those things. I really think that's going to be the case. All right. Next question comes from at top shelf underscore Ty. What are the chances the 49ers land offensive and defensive rookie of the year? Man, I love your optimism, Ty. That is awesome. This has happened recently. The Saints did it a year ago with Alvin Kamara and Marcus Lattimore. They were able to land offense and defensive rookie of the year, which, hey, man, we kind of helped them with that. We traded that pick to them in the third round for Kamara. Uh, congrats to them. Now, Vegas seems to say that we have a better chance than any other NFL team to land both. So if we look at the defensive side, Nick Bosa is a 7-1 to one, uh, odds maker uh, for he, he's, he's the best one tied with Devin White. So Devin White and Nick Bosa are the two clear-cut leads for defensive player of the year. If we jump over to the offensive side, Debo Samuel's current odds are 16-1 to one or 8th best, and Jalen Hurd is at 45-1. to one. So let's put our nerd hats on and let's break down these percentages. Sorry for doing this to everybody, but hey, Ty asks. So 
statistically speaking, just based on a full percentage, Vegas is saying that Bosa has a 13% chance to win uh, versus the field. Offensively, Debo has a 6% chance and Jalen Hurd has a 2% chance. So if we combine Debo and Hurd on the offensive side, that equals 8%. So then what you do is you multiply the defensive side, 13% for Bosa. The offensive side, 8% for Debo plus Hurd. That comes out to a whopping 1.04% chance. So... The odds are definitely not in anybody's favor for this to happen. It's a 1% chance. We do have the highest percent chance in the NFL. But um, having both the offense and defensive position uh, rookie of the year is pretty rough to do. But you're telling me there's a chance. I'll take a 1% chance statistically, uh, those Vegas odds any day. Uh, next question, moving on. Patrick McLeod comes out and he says this. Where do you see McKinnon factoring in? I see Breida as the leading rusher and Coleman as the leading receiver. Do you agree? Patrick, I do not. Um, the one thing that we can say about our running back groups is Coleman's going to get first crack at being the guy. Everybody's going to have a role. Uh, Coleman's going to have first crack at being the guy. And I think McKinnon, the second thing that we could say is he is going to be the predominant pass down catcher uh shanahan likes to keep his running backs out there for the entire drive he doesn't like rotating and subbing because that allows the defense to kind of mix and match but we're coming out of a tight uh timeout uh, quarter change whatever clock stoppage and it's third and long it's going to be Jarek mckinnon in there more often than not so again uh just let me go through my top three running backs and my projected touches for each one of them so tevin coleman i have projected as 137 rush attempts and 31 pass targets matt Breida just behind him 124 rush attempts 27 passing targets and then Jarek mckinnon 82 rush attempts and 51 targets so i have Jarek mckinnon leading um whenever it comes to receiving and tevin coleman leading whenever it comes to rushing but these are just my projections take them for what you want Breida is my personal favorite but based on kyle shanahan and kind of what he likes to do that's kind of the way that i think it's going to work out is all three of them are going to get works and all three of them are going to get opportunity it's who's going to step up stay healthy that's probably number one and be consistent uh coleman has the most history with Kyle Shanahan, though. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's never played a snap under Kyle Shanahan, even though he was here the whole last year. And Breida, he's relatively new. You know, two years in, that's all he's got. He was injured so much of last season. Uh, next up comes from RJ. If the 49ers defense tanks in the preseason, which he says, I don't expect it to do, but if it does, um, getting used to this new offense and all those things will the 49ers cut ties with sayla early and let another interim d coach take his spot i don't think that this has a possibility of happening uh, my critique of you know sayla in this defense it, it, i've voiced it many times over but here we are um i don't i don't think we're going to change anything now and here's the weird thing you know as far as just nfl draft content and things like that one of my most respected uh podcasters and content providers daniel jeremiah on nfl network he was asked on his move the sticks podcast uh, who are some possible head coaching candidates in the upcoming year and man robert salas was the first name mentioned 
uh, people love this guy. And whenever you see him in a press conference and you hear people talk about him, everybody loves him. The problem is he hasn't been able to put it together on the field. So he fits your kind of mold as a player's coach that everybody wants to be around. He's well-respected. His work ethic, all those things, says the right things, puts off the right image. Great, great, great. But it just hasn't happened on the field. So, you know, you get people like Daniel Jeremiah, Peter Schrager, uh, you know, also of NFL Network. He's mentioned him as well as a possible guy that he could see shooting up and being a head coaching candidate as early as next year. But goodness, it just hasn't happened on the field. The 49ers defense is nothing to be like, you know, if you look at the results that we had last year, it was awful. We finished as the number 28th defense whenever it comes to points uh points allowed uh given we didn't give up a lot of yards we finished 13th in that category but that's not okay uh dead last in turnovers and allowing the 28th most points scored that's not a recipe for a head coach and candidate in my opinion now if he turns it around and we turn into a top 10 defense which is possible i don't think it's likely i think middle of the pack is much more to be expected this year but if he's able to do that then perhaps you know it does seem like the nfl is moving completely to offensive-minded head coaches they are the hard ones to find we do see uh vic fangio the 49ers defensive coordinator when we made our Super Bowl run then he was with the Bears last season he got his opportunity in Denver but yeah I I think we're keeping Sela I I don't think we're going to be making any harsh decisions in the middle of this season even if it does go bad I think those decisions would be made much later Uh, but yeah so we'll see last question that I have come from Lawrence CV Uh, love the support from Lawrence he's been here since day one is Matthews, he's talking about our wide receiver, is Matthews' lack of production in the last two years reason to believe that Bourne is better? Or did he just have a down year because of lack of opportunities? Personally, he likes Matthews. Curious what your thoughts are. If we go back to what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch prefer, and this is offense, defense, doesn't matter your position, versatility and durability are key. And if that's all we're looking at, Jordan Matthews, theoretically, can do everything that Bourne can do and more. Because Jordan Matthews has experience starting in the slot for several years in the NFL. He has one year of experience starting um, outside. He didn't do very well there. He prefers the slot for sure. Um, and, and so then we look at Kendrick Bourne. He's predominantly just an outside guy. Uh, red zone guy that's kind of what his role is going to be neither of these wide receivers have their position locked up uh, on the 50 man 53 man initial roster they're both fighting against each other i think what's key for matthews is if he can beat out Bourne, he's going to be in one of these two guys are going to be in I, I don't think that there is a way that we keep both um, especially if jalen hurd shows out in camp now if jalen hurd for some reason um gets injured or whatever jordan matthews will be a lock because he gives us that big bodied slot receiver that we don't have outside of jalen hurd you know you talk about richie james you talk about trent taylor those two are fighting against each other one of them will be kept and then you have this other battle of jordan matthews versus kendrick Bourne, who very similar build uh, very similar playing style the only difference is matthews can do it from the slot because he's a little bit more shifty um 
So stuff to look forward to. We'll just have to see how it plays out again. The practices start very soon. We're three days out. And with that, I'm so excited. I'm probably going to wait till Sunday or Monday once a couple practice reports come out. I'll be watching all the live feeds that I can and interviewing as many people as I can to bring you guys the best stuff. But stay tuned. Probably Sunday or Monday will be the next one with our training camp reports and breaking down depth charts, all those things. I'm so excited. So stay strong, faithful, and I will be with you guys in just a few short days. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.